Sometimes I wrestle with my demons. Sometimes we just cuddle. That's my T-shirt this evening, folks. That's my motto. On Thursday nights, Ed and I talk sports. Stay tuned for the best of that coming up next. This guy has made it through rounds playing the style that he plays. He named every one. It's like this guy named all five of my game-winning shots from 2008, 2009. I played with two of the two of the most exciting players ever to play the game. Allen Iverson and Vince Carter. I'm Bobby C., the wrestler, the cuddler, and that fine-looking chap over there is Edgar Burgos, and this is Step in the Arena on the Cruise Control Podcast Network in partnership with Hard to Guard Media. As always, thanks for tuning in on Twitter. As always, we appreciate the likes, the shares, the downloads, and whether on Twitter, YouTube, Apple, or Spotify, wherever you are this evening around the world, Thanks for being there and thanks for listening and watching our podcast. And, you know, I asked this question as we start off the top, Ed, do you prefer to wrestle or to cuddle on a on a Thursday night, Ed? Uh, on Thursday, wrestle. <laughs> wrestle against me when it comes to the world of sports, that sounds good. Yeah, when it comes to the world of sports, wrestle. Well, I'm prepared for wrestling this evening, Ed. I, I have the right coffee cup and I have plenty of coffee so that I can, uh, you know, wrestle or cuddle with you. Um, I'll be up, basically, is what I'm trying to say. I'm, I'm ready to go for the podcast. Excited yeah, for our I, guest tonight. I feel good. We got a world champion coming on. So I, I, I'm I also like, very, I'm I like also champions. Very, I like champions. Champions are good. I'm also very impressed uh, by, I don't know if it's if, if it's the halo around you, but you're looking very bright this evening. I, <laughs> um, you, I, you know, again, for those listening on the audio side, they, they can't see you, but they should head over to YouTube because you're looking sparkling, my friend. Yeah, I mean, I had to step it up after last week's uh, show with Charles Oakley. We did, uh, you know, we... we you know, we hit a couple of newspapers after that, so it was actually pretty oh, it was, good. It was fantastic. Yeah, no doubt about it. We'll t- I'm sure we'll talk a little bit about that, but uh, I guess it'd be a good time to bring in our guest. You know, why, why not? Yeah. So our guest this evening is a game changer in basketball, both on and off the hardwood. We welcome WNBA world champion Essence Carson. Essence, step in the arena, and of course, don't mind Ed here with us tonight. <laughs> <laughs> what happened to me tonight? Essence will be now now be called champ. That's what we're calling her. Oh, I appreciate that. I, no, I appreciate that. I appreciate that. No, thanks for having me tonight, guys. Thank you. Thank so you. So excited to see you. I know. I know. I probably just you know, as I said to Oakley last week, he bothers people until they eventually just cave in and come on the podcast. So I, I apologize for my co-host. Oh no, no, no! It wasn't even that tough, man. Uh, I've I've known him for a long time back in my New York Liberty days and, and stuff like that, being around uh, the training center and the garden and all that good stuff. So it was not a problem. Man, I appreciate you. You see, that's the champ right there. You see that? <laughs> you don't know nothing about that. You know about championship rings. <laughs> Again, I'm going to apologize for Ed just uh, from the top here, you know. Um, you know, how, basically, how are you doing these days? I mean, what's what's going on in your world? I mean, it's been uh, obviously an exciting career for you, and it looks like maybe looking for a new chapter. Oh yeah, man, I'm I'm out here in Los Angeles. Uh, you know, um, you guys bring up the championship. That's where I won the championship out in uh, Los Angeles with the Sparks. Uh, I've been here since then, um, and uh, just made it a, a second home. Um, I've, I've been able to continue to to play basketball um making this my home base but also got a chance to get into the music industry as well so you know right now the music industry you know a lot of the offices are based out of la so you know it only makes sense for only it only made sense for me to um you know to make this my second home continue to to train here um and to continue uh and my path in the industry when did you know that you wanted to be in the um, music industry Oh, when I was a kid, man, when I was a kid. So I always loved music. Uh, grew up in, a, I grew up with my grandparents and, you know, you know, the grandparents, they always had the old vinyl spinning and I just took a liking to just loving music. It just always made me feel a certain way, made me feel happy. And then, I mean, once hip hop came along, once that came into the house, it was over. I was like, oh man, I want to, I want to do something in music. So then I started taking all these different, you know, um, lessons whether it was piano saxophone 
played the uh, the electric bass in a jazz band when I was in high school, played the drums in church and all that. So, I mean, I always had a, a liking towards music. Um, I used to want to be like a, a Quincy Jones. I used to want to be like a Missy Elliott, stuff like that. I was it, Music was pretty much the soundtrack to my life, even though I was still playing basketball. When you're in the gym, People love having music playing. It, it like it, it makes you go harder, makes you work out harder for some reason. And to me, the two go hand in hand. Like I said, music is a soundtrack of life, no matter what you're doing. What was your go-to song to hype you up before games? It depends on what year we're talking about. I remember when I was with the USA team and we went down to Puerto Rico. We were uh, we were playing. We used to love uh, that. We read it. <laughs> that was back in the day. But that that song was a hype song back then. And then, you know, um, when uh, Drake came out with the uh, Big Rings, that was another one. When I was still up in New York, when I was still in the garden, used to, we used to listen to that in the locker room before, like, every game used to get us going. But, like, now I'm, like, a little more laid back with things. So I just listen to music to kind of, like, mellow me out and, and just make me stay, help me stay poised. It always seems too like basketball players want to be musicians, rappers, and musicians and rappers want to be basketball players too. Absolutely, absolutely, that's true. I mean, I don't, I don't see a lie in that at all. Um, there's no harm in it. Um, I, I mean, if you're good at it, you're good at it. If you're not, that's a whole other story, right? And if you're not, it's a whole other story. Yeah. So you some, pick up, you pick up, some are bad. There's no doubt about that. No, yeah, for sure. I was going to say, you pick up, um, you know, you start realizing you, your love for music and, you you know, you, you get an internship. When did you know, because you were still, when you was playing, that, you know what, I'm going to start making money in the music industry? Man, I was just like, okay, uh, I didn't go overseas this year. This wasn't that bad. It was like my first time, like, for real, not going overseas. Um, the only other time I didn't go was when I had an ACL tear. Um Outside of that, it was a constant grind, 365. You know, on the women's side, we play in the summer and the spring, but we also have to grind it out in that fall and winter time abroad, whether it's in Europe, whether it's in Asia, South America, but we're playing year round. So you don't really get to rest your body. You don't get to rest your mind. You don't get to spend time with your family like you really want to. You can't go on those on those vacations and spend time with people you love. Once I got to experience those couple of months at um at home uh with the internship and, and stuff like that, I was like, oh okay. You know, maybe it, it might this might be the pivotal moment where where I look at things a little differently where I widen my scope, right? Where everything was just so tunnel vision is just like, okay, this is how it's supposed to be done because they said it's supposed to be this way. This is this was, you know what I'm saying, the roadmap for professional women basketball players. All right, so I'm just like, mm, well, maybe I could take a little right turn off this road and see where this road takes me. And, you know, so far so good. I've still been able to continue playing, but also continue to build you know, a, a career in, in music. Um, and it's been great, you know? It's not often that you get these opportunities. So when an opportunity presented itself, of course, I'm gonna say, yes, I wanna do this full time, you know, even though I was still playing basketball. I mean, but you're still young. Have you, have you thought about maybe kind of leaving basketball behind and, and making music the full-time full -time job? I honestly would like to just go as long as my body can take me, you know? Um, just just making the right decisions about how to take care of your body, right? Putting, you know, over the years, whether you're talking about when you first start playing basketball, some people start playing basketball and they're like four or five. And this has just been nonstop, you know, and then it goes to AAU, it's been high school, college, and then, and, you know, hopefully becoming um, a professional athlete. Um, that's a lot of miles on your body. So then I'm like, okay, well, maybe I need to change up some some habits here. So I started taking care of my body a lot better. You know, you hear LeBron always talking about investing in his body. Now, we're not dealing with millions of dollars. We can't put a million dollars into our body. But what we can do is, you know, make the small lifestyle changes that will help prevent, be preventative, right? So I started doing that, and I feel great. I feel like how I was when I was, like, 25 years old, you know, still getting up early, working out, still running fast, jumping high, all those good things, you know. Um, But it feels good to know that. I'm putting in the work and I'm taking care of myself in order to just to stay ready, you know, for, and Hey, I'm gonna ride this thing till the world falls off. 
until I'm of no use and of no value um, to this game. Um, but even then, I still lend my mind to the game. How's it all, more, all the more yeah. reason why you could have told Ed, you know, no to the late night <laughs> podcast. Oh, no, nah, no. Nah, it's all good. You know, I'm three hours behind you guys. So, you know, I might have been up at five this morning, but it's only like 630-ish around here. Six, what, 645 around here. So it's not too late. And even if it was, you know, I will always show love. I, I didn't mean to cut you off, Ed. Go for it. Now, I was going to say, how does it make you feel like, you know, you, you know, for women, women have to play basketball all year round to make decent money. <laughs> like, is that frustrating? Like, you know, because you guys, are, I've played, I remember like when I was younger and the WNBA first started, I was the guy playing against Teaspoon, Kim Hampton. And uh, I did that for <laughs> years. Every morning I would play against them. We go five on five at Chelsea Piers. And it was rough. I was like, yo, and now today's player is so much better than they were back then. Oh, no, yeah, for sure. I mean, of course it's frustrating, right? Of course, because even when I came into the game, we're like, what? And they, you got to remember, before we came around, they were playing for even less. You know what I'm saying? So it's just like, well, even, le even less um, here in America. Let me just make that clear. All right. Um, so it's just like, dang. They were the trailblazers, trailblazers of all of this. And, you know, they weren't being compensated. So, you know, it was, it was about trying to push this game forward. You know, and you fast forward, you know, th 13 years later, um, we finally get this CBA where we're able to, you know, increase salary, you know, to, to a decent amount. You know, it's a step. Um, but you have to understand that even though the league started years ago, that people that, that are playing now are still trailblazers because they're paving the way for these women to 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 make these millions of dollars in the future. It's a hard road. It's a long road. Um, and it, it always feels like you have to justify why you should be paid that much. Right. As if that we're not some of the best athletes and not only in this country, but in this world, in our sport, that's not enough because that seems to be enough for every other sport, right? Um, that is the frustrating part. And then for people to say, oh, well, you're women. Now that right there is, is even more frustrating because it's just like, hmm, you know, we do the same things. We play the same game, same rule. No, we might not be high-flying dunkers all the time, although we have quite a few young ladies that are rising above the rim now. Um, but there's a different, you know, element to our game, you know, that makes it exciting. Um, and if they were to come to the games, they will understand the atmosphere, right, and understand how, how fun it is. Uh, but for people to even judge before they have even had a chance to, to attend or even had a chance to even watch a game, a lot of this time, a lot of the times, they're making these judgments and they haven't even really watched the game, right? It, it, you know, you got these trolls, they exist. They're not going anywhere, but we're not going anywhere either. And we're going to continue to push forward and continue to fight. I used to ask, hold on, Bob. I, I used to ask Spoon all the time that we used to, uh, <laughs> what pissed me off, like that you guys played in the summer. And I felt like, like I felt that was kind of disrespectful. I, that was my thing after a while, because I feel like, Especially you play, you've been in New York. We New York is cold all the time, and when it's finally warm, you know what happens in New York. We're Everyone's going outside. Cold. You already know. We outside. And like, why the Liberty having a four o'clock afternoon game on Sunday? People are Central Park. People are everywhere else, and I'm like, that's unfair. Like I felt like the scheduling was a little off. Like if you're gonna have a game, have it, you know, Saturday night, seven thirty, something to do. Yeah, you know? something to do before you hit the club, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> get, a, get a couple of drinks at the garden before you get turned up, before you get lit. And that's why I felt like, you know, like they could have, you could, the WNBA season should be when the NBA season's going on. I, I feel like it, it's more exciting. A lot of things going on, but people are going to go watch. No, nah, you know, that was always an argument, you know, um, always, always. But what you, you, you had the, the idea that, oh, well, no one would come see the women's games. Because, you know, the guys, you know, are playing. And then also it's just like the timing factor. How will we schedule these games? You know, it's not only about the games. It's about those concerts that are filling those arenas, too. So, you know, they, I feel like it was more of a, a business decision and, and, and marketing, of course. 
um, trying not to to uh, compete with the guys. But um, as you saw, I mean, we kind of overlapped this past year with the bubble situation, um, but it still turned out well for us. You know, our viewership was up tremendously still. Um, it was just about, you know what, you just got to put the product out there. You know, if you don't show the product, you really can't expect people to kind of re to react to it, whether it's in a good or bad way. Um, but, you know, there, there's been a lot of fighting, you know, on the player side, on the union side. And, and there's a lot of new faces that have been coming into, you know, the front offices that have been, you know, championing what we're saying and trying to make these things come to life. Um, and you're, you're seeing those changes happen before your eyes. Now, it might not be where we want it to be, but, you know, at least like we're make, we're started, we're beginning to make those changes. And we just hope that the people that come after us don't let up. You can't take your foot off the gas. You can't take your foot off their necks. Yeah, Essence, I mean, I actually went back to look it up because I was very curious about the actual numbers. You know, so, for example, you bring up LeBron James, right? So I think a comparable player maybe in the WNBA in terms of success, years in the league, and then even the bonus for winning, let's say, last year's finals, okay, would be Sue Bird. So last okay. year, LeBron, LeBron made $37.4 million as, as 2020 salary. She made 215000 Sue Bird made last year. Uh, both of them, of course, have four championships. Both of them, as I mentioned, played 17 years in the league. The bonus for winning the WNBA Finals for 2020 was $11,356. LeBron last year made 370000 for winning the NBA Finals, which, of course, is more than her entire salary from last season. Uh, more than the whole league salary put together, but <laughs> I'm just saying, um, not saying so, he doesn't deserve that. Absolutely, but I mean, more. clearly, clearly, progress, but maybe not not enough. No, no, yeah, no, of, of course. And do we think that it's going to stop right here? No, we understand that this was this this is just a stepping stone. You know, this is just just another step um, to get where we really want to be and where we feel that we deserve to be um you know the numbers are glaring you know a lot of people make the argument is that oh well they're bringing this amount of money to bring in this amount of dollars the season's longer that's one thing i mean that's, that's just one thing marketing is different a lot of stuff but a lot of things that i can say is that a lot more companies are starting to go in business with with women professional women athletes and specifically the WNBA, where for a long time you didn't see any of those partnerships, right? A long time, you didn't see any of those endorsement deals. You know, in the beginning, when the WNBA first popped up, it was like, oh, all eyes on them. But then that quickly disappeared. And it was kind of dormant since then. People were afraid to take chances on us because of what, how we look, you know, um, we can, there's so many different reasons. Now it's just like, okay, now we want to be inclusive. So let's include them. All right. Yeah, you're right. Let's include them. We have a lot to make up for a lot that we missed up, missed out on. Um, so, yeah, let's 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 show the world that, you know, we're not only basketball players. Right. Like we're not. Um, we're reflective of society. You know, you look at the WNBA, um, you can say, yes, it's majority African-American. However, we're from all different walks of life. Right. You have people from affluent neighborhoods. You have people from the hood. You, you know what I'm saying? You got people from the inner city, all walks of life. People that that have master's degrees, people that have children. You know, you we're representing a lot of different sectors of society. So treat us as such. You want your product to be marketed to everybody. You you're looking at everybody. Essence, I mean, how, how infuriating is it, though, when you see comments this week from Shaquille O'Neal, who, of course, is a legend in basketball, and he makes comments about perhaps lowering the rims in the WNBA so that female players can dunk. I mean, that just sounds, uh, to me, uh, as entirely disrespectful about the game. Well, you know, you know Shaq is a fellow Jersey native. Um, you know, Shaq always has the, the shock factor with his jokes always that has not changed. Um, but, um, you know, coming from our side, that's nothing that we will ever consider. Now, has that conversation come up several times, numerous times over the years, over the entire existence of the WNBA? Yes, it has. Now, are we ever going to take that seriously? No, because we can play the game just as it is. And there are a lot of fans that enjoy us playing the game as it is, right? 
I mean, I know I, I saw something that uh, about the top, you know, within the top five selling jerseys, you have, you know, Steph and, and you have Kyrie and they combine from one dunk. So clearly, I mean, they're not there to see them dunk. Of course, you know, Steph has the long range ability and Kyrie has handles, but we have people with long range and, and handles too. So, I mean, the, the, the game and the excitement of the game is not dependent on flying above the rim, you know, anymore, right? I know for a long time, people would always say, well, it's just because they don't dunk. That's the reason. Okay, well, now there are a lot of people playing below the rim on the men's side as well. Um, and, you, and you can see how that's not true. You're just looking at it happen. I mean, it's unfortunate that he that, that was terrible timing on Shaq's part. Right. Um, and we would never consider that, you know, um, and I'm, I'm Candace set the story straight. And so and so did uh, Coop. Coop's uh, set the story straight today, too. Uh, Cynthia Cooper, one of the greatest to ever touch the uh, touch the floor. Um, I mean, it's nothing that we would ever consider. Um, you know, like I said, we play the game just like our male counterparts do. And we're proud to play the way we play. Yeah. What's dope is that, like like we said last summer, like. What I think helped also is that you guys played alongside the guys and the guys were rocking the orange, you know, the hoodies and they were supporting it and they were tweeting it out, you know, catch the games. And I feel like, you know, you, I've always, you know, we don't talk a lot. I watch you. You're a marketer. So my thing is like when you, when you in your locker room, when you're talking with the ladies and stuff like that, and you know, one thing you guys are big on, on social media. Do you guys figure out your own way? Like, hey, you know what? People are gonna watch us if we do certain certain things. Uh, yeah, for sure. You know, like, shoot, um, we may not have the same viewership as the guys, but those viewers that do tune in, we're gonna make sure that we get our message across, right? Um, we we pinpoint those times because we understand that the position that we're in sometimes we don't get the opportunity. To, to use the platform as broadly as we may have wanted to, whether in the past or even now. But now we do have a focus on that time that we do get, you're gonna hear our voices, right? And we're not gonna only gonna speak for ourselves, but we're gonna speak for the people that feel that they're voiceless as well. Um, and that's what you saw all season long. All even if we weren't saying a word, you were gonna read. You gonna you were gonna see it on the court. You were gonna see the the TV spots that we put out. You were gonna see the uh, the T-shirts, the the social media posts, all of that. You know, cut one because we understand the limited um, viewership, but we also do understand the viewership that we do have. You know, it's like a catch twenty two there. So it's just like you know what you make do with what you have, right? And in, in that sense to amplify the voice and then watch it grow. So then the next time you come back to the stage, it's it's multiplied by like a million, you know? Um, and that's what you saw and that's what you continue to see. And we're, we're not afraid to use our voices. It's like, we don't have anything to lose. We're here because we fought to be here, right? And the only way we're gonna remain here is if we continue to fight, not only for ourselves, but for those that come after us and for those in the community that look just like us. Yeah, and to me, essence, you know, I, I watch the women's game, and I, I think to myself that there's an influx of talent that's also on the way. I mean, the players, as Ed mentioned, continue to get better. I think there's more attention on the game because of the growth of the college game too. I mean, you look at what UConn has done this year again, and uh, you know, someone like Paige is a freshman who I think is is continued to kind of garner more national attention, and and that puts more emphasis on the women's game. Oh yeah, for sure. You know, as as the as the younger athletes continue to to become even greater, right? That's always going to grow the game. That's always going to you want those to come after you to be even better. That's the whole point. Because if, you know, if we didn't come into the game and push the limits, then you know, the next group, I mean, the game is just going to, you know, pretty much plateau and level out. You always got to continue to challenge each other. And if you're a true competitor, you understand the the nuances behind all of that. It's not only about you competing against your teammate, right? Because it's always a competition, even though that's your teammate. It's all it's always a competition, right? And it's and 
you have to understand that that competitive that competitive nature is going to grow the game. It's not only going to grow your game. It's not only going to grow your teammates' game. It's going to grow the game for those for those young girls and young young boys that's playing, you know, in high school AAU basketball, playing in elementary grammar school and all that. You know, it, it, the competitiveness has to continue to grow. And once you lose that, I'm I'm pretty sure you guys have seen instances where it seems like oh they're not competing, and you can't watch it. You're gonna turn the TV off. You're gonna do something else. You're gonna be like, I'm gonna watch them in the playoffs because they're not competing, right? So now that you see this consistent competitive nature, it's exciting. It's exciting. It's making those young ones want to come up and and get on that court and give it to you. You know what I'm saying? Give you buckets. That's you know that's that's the competitive nature of it all. You know, and essence, I'm the sports director at WFUV, so we cover all the Fordham games. Okay, and and this is a comment I've made, obviously, to many, many colleagues and friends. You know, you take a look at, at that program, for example, and with all due respect, you know, the women's program at Fordham has been the better, the better team. Uh, they won an A10 championship just a couple of years back. They're playing in the NIT this weekend, and uh, you know, for a local program that might have had some success in the past on the men's side. That's a team that's been very successful now for the better part of a decade on the women's side. And that, to me, shows that you have a lot of colleges, not just even here in the tri-state, but a lot of colleges around the country that now have more well-known women's programs, not just in basketball, but in all sports, than than some of their counterparts on the men's side. Oh, yeah. You know, you have to attribute that. I mean, there's so many things you can attribute that to. One, you know girls are be, are getting involved in sports at a younger age, right? Consistently, you know, and then being welcomed, into, you know, with open arms into the sports, you know? Um, and then, man, are they, they're grinding through high school. They're grinding through the, the AU season. That's where you're going to see them really turn up, right? Um, they're, they're grinding. And then when they get to these programs, you know, they come with a sense of pride. It's not just a sense of I'm happy to be here. Right. They come with a sense of pride now. So, you know, that's another element of it all. You got the competitive nature. You got to have some type of self pride. You know, you don't want to lose. Some people show up and they just happy to be there, happy to have an opportunity just to attend school. You know, now when you're a true competitor, it's not only about attending, you know, just attending school. Of course, that is huge, you know, because you're getting an opportunity to attend school for free. But you're not just happy to be on the team. You're there. You know that you can make a difference and that you can that that you can win. Right. Especially when you see some mid majors upsetting, you know, some of the larger D1 schools and stuff like that. You're like, oh, shoot, we can I can do some I can make some noise here. So now you're not only seeing it happen at some of the, you know, what top what BC BCS type of schools you've seen it happen at all levels because now you're seeing people get a chance to be in the league that have come from all types of different schools it's not just like well you have to go to these schools in order to be drafted which it was kind of like that for a long time but now people people are coming to watch good basketball players no matter where they come from um you know you're a leader and um i want to know like who guided you obviously you know you have vivian stringer you have a great fam family um like who do you rely on to, like when things are rough who do you call probably my high school coach who's like he's, he's like a father figure he's a mentor he, he's the one that really uh tuned me into the whole like meditation and visualization when i was like 13 14 years old right he he told me he put like he put me on to reading those types of uh, that type of literature and, and learning what all that was about before it even was like, you know, I don't want to call it trendy. Maybe people are just waking up. But before it really was a thing. Right. Um, and it has always kept me at bay, you know, and, and allowed me to kind of have that that calm personality, even kill personality, stay poised at all times. Don't let things shake you. So if I, you know, for any reason come become like off kilter a little bit. It's just like, I just, I, I'm gonna call and check in. I'm gonna call and check in. And you know, you, a lot of people don't hear about him a lot, but you know, he, he was always a great coach. 
Um, he was like he was more like a father figure. He believed in all of the girls that came through that Patterson Eastside program, and you know, and he only wanted the best for us, not only as basketball players, but as young women. And that's kind of how I ended up with Coach Stringer because I saw that they were similar. They they were similar. It wasn't just because Rutgers was in Jersey. Like I I could have gone anywhere. You know, I could have gone across the country, but that was something that really draw that drew me in. To, to Coach Stringer and her program because of the just just because of how she was, and I knew that no matter what, whether I became a, ba- a professional basketball player or I decided to become a doctor or 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 a music producer or something like that, that I was going to end up on the right side of things because people were teaching me how to move accordingly. You're going back to back here, Ed, or I get to jump back in? No, you get to jump in. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I step on your feet, so I yeah, figured yeah. You know, I'll ask this time. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, go ahead. You know, Essence, for me, a big question that came up was I really wanted to ask you, uh, and again, I'm sure a lot of our fans, of course, know about your career, but for those that do not, to me, you really have nothing missing from your resume, okay? First-round draft pick, you've obviously played into NBA Finals, you've won a championship, I even put I put down all the stuff in my notes here. I got some great notes here. You closed your career at the Big East Defensive Player of the Year honors for three consecutive seasons, right? You got this prestigious accolades for that se- after the senior season. And talking about AP All America honorable mention, candidacy for the Wade Trophy, the Naismith National Player of the Year, Senior Class Award for Excellence in Character, Classroom, Community, and Competition, Rutgers Hall of Fame in 2020. You play Team USA, four-time gold medalist, FIBA success, WNBA All-Star. You've played overseas, Italy, France, Hungary, Spain, Turkey, Latvia. I mean, what what have you not done when it comes to basketball? And it, I guess it begs the question, what else is there left to do? Is there anything left to do? A Grammy. Oh, yeah, that's true. Uh, if we're talking about outside of basketball, you know, of, of course, a Grammy. Now, if we're talking about basketball, be a two-time fan. Like, who, who who wants to settle with one? You know, I mean, I don't know. Some people cool with one. But, you know, I, I, I like having at least two of those things, you know. So, you know, um, man, you just read up a lot. I you, Sometimes I forget that I've done those things. I'm just so focused on what's like in front of me, you know, and what's ahead. And sometimes I forget about things that happen, but that, thank you. <laughs> that's, that's an awesome career. I mean, I, I actually think you should stop being friends with Ed. That's how impressive <laughs> that career is. I mean, to me, to me, you've totally eclipsed that friendship. I think it's on another, another, sorry, oh, man, on another no, level. You can't, no, you can't, you, you can't forget those who came up with you. He was there, like for real. Like he, he kind of he he saw me grow from like just just like kid that coming out of school and just grow through the league and 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 learn and and become somebody that uses their voice. Before I wouldn't say anything, I would just come out there and play hard and just be strong. <laughs> when you went to your second championship, how like you know you won your first one, and then you know you lost the second one on a tough five game series. Does that weigh on you like even today? Um, of course, nobody likes to lose. Well, at least I don't like to lose. Um, but I can say, you know, we we fought that one. I mean, man, we had an opportunity to close that series out um, a couple of times, actually, because we were up in that series. Um, that, I think that that's the part that does sting is like when you're up and, and you, you just don't finish, you don't close it. Um, but it just... To me, it just I mean, it leaves that that taste in your mouth where you're, like, you're still hungry. You know, you never want to finish out on that note. So I know everyone that was a part of that team that year feels like they have unfinished business. Right. Um, so to me, I'm just like it's still always a motivational factor there. I always find things to motivate me, even if you won't think that they do, you know, Um that's what just pushes me because you can become complacent. You can become happy with where you are in life. And then that's it. I'm always trying to get better, learn new things, improve not only myself, but those people around me. Um, so yeah, man, that, that still stings in it. And, you know, still trying to get another one. Been trying to get another one since then. I was going to say in your career, who's your all time five, either you played it with or played against in your top, your all time five. Mm. 
Dude, you got some great players, right? So you got a Diana Tarazi. Um, you got uh you got a a Cappy Pondexter. She was lethal. You you saw her drop like 40 plus in the garden. Um you got Candace Parker, of course. You got a Tamika Ketchens because of her tenacity. And she would just outwork you. You know, it, that that was that was her thing. So that's four people there. Um and then um, what, what spot I have left? I, I have a I have a, a point guard spot left, huh? Because we mm-hmm. we'll shift Cappy over to the two. We'll put we'll we'll let D play the three just because of her size. D ain't posting nobody up, but still she gonna she gonna light you up. She gonna and she gonna be able to see the floor. Um, man, for that point guard spot, I mean I, it would be a no brainer, right? It's a no brainer who the point guard would have to be at this point. Um, shoot, there would have to be Sue Bird. Now we're talking about people that I played with or played against. Mm-hmm. All right, let's make that clear. Now people <laughs> I have not played against. So you got the Cynthia Coopers, you got the Teaspoons. You know, this is like almost like how they have the different all-decade teams and stuff <clears> like <throat> that. All right, so you got the you got the Coop, you got um Teaspoon, you got Tisha Pantero. She was she was lethal. Nice. Now that's a that's a I don't know those two point guards right there they was they were fire, um, you know who else was 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 great in their time you know Yolanda Griffith Yolanda Griffith was great Griffith was the beast. Yo was on the boards she was just all over the place, um dang I'm it's quite a few people I guess I would miss one more person with that with that five, oh man. Trying to think who would be that last person, Lisa Leslie. Oh my goodness, how can I forget her? Oh my gosh, um, Lisa Leslie, of course, in there. So, there you go, that's five and five right there. I was gonna say, one of the things that obviously I wish I would have seen is like the Knicks. I've never seen the Liberty Championship, (laughs) I feel like it was close. It was close, close. and my thing is, like, (laughs) how big of a help do you think? For the WNBA, if the Liberty would have won a championship, that would have been tremendous, right? You you talking about? I mean, I know things have shifted, but you know, I'm a, I'm an East Coast kid, you know, born and raised past in New Jersey. My my family's from Jersey and out there in New York, out in Brooklyn. You know what I'm saying? So, I grew up understanding that the mecca of basketball resided on the East Coast, right? That's just how I was raised. The mecca of basketball was New York City. If you wanted to, you know, play against tough competition, especially guards, you had to go to the city. Of course, Jersey has a, a a ton of guards, and you're you're starting. A lot of people starting to become schooled on all the great guards that came from Jersey too, because they kind of just call lump us all together. Jersey and New York just lump us together, right? Um, but yeah, like for for the mecca to have a championship would have been amazing. It would have done a lot. You know, especially on the women's side, you know, it would have been amazing. Um, I think it probably would have changed, you know, the future of the Liberty a little bit, you know. Um, it's it's I mean, hey, I mean they have a new home in Brooklyn, just like you know, the New Jersey Nets have a new home in Brooklyn. I mean, it all kind of works out, you know, they all kind of stay in New York, but I, I get it. Like people used to look at the garden a certain way, like this is it, the Knicks are it. This is before the Nets came to Brooklyn. It was just like, this is our team. You know, it doesn't matter how many games we win, how many games we lose. This is it. This is how we ride. We ride or die fans, and we're going to stick with it no matter what. So if you bring a championship into that type of atmosphere, oh, it goes crazy. It doesn't matter if it's men or women or or Little League. It doesn't matter. Like, New Yorkers go crazy when they win. It's like they – like got thrown in your face, you know, <laughs> type of thing. Um, it would have been amazing. Um, too bad it, it didn't happen. Doesn't mean that it couldn't happen. I mean, but it just would be in Brooklyn now. And yeah. I know how some people feel about that. Yeah, I was like, Bobby is one who is uh, not a Nick fan. He's a Nick hater. So the question is, if the Nets win a championship, do people really care in New York City? Hmm. I want to say that they they want to say out loud that they don't. But if they win, they're gonna care. Like they, it's New York. Like I I want to say that 
you know, it's tough. Like, you know, like when you are a Knicks fan, it's really hard for you to to be a fan of the Nets. You know what I'm saying? So it is, but at the end of the day, it's just like how you got Giants fans and you got Jets fans. When the Giants won, the city still was going crazy. The city still was going. You couldn't even tell who was who at that point, right? Everybody came out in red, white, and blue at that point. Now things might have changed. The you know, the year later, two years later, they might have put back on their green and they white. But at that time, it was just like, yeah, New York, New York. We 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 got the chip. Period. You know. But it's well, a tough discussion. I was tough say, before, if the Nets play the Lakers in the championship, who Ooh. you? Were- well, first of all, I'm born and raised in Jersey, right? So mm-hmm. technically, that's the Brooklyn Nets, right? Um, I, yeah, I reside in LA right now, and I got all the love for the fellas on 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 the uh, Los Angeles Lakers team, and they're amazing too. They're amazing, but the Nets got something special going right now. They got they they you know, and you know, honestly, I'm happy to see Kyrie beat who he is right now. You know, um, and for people to finally recognize who that is and, and, and not try to align him with somebody who he isn't. Um, and he's playing like he's free. He, you know, he's always had the handles. He always had the ability. But now you're seeing the game and the mind connect on his side. And shoot. And he's a Jersey boy, too. So I was just like, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of, I, I kind of have to, you know, you know, that that's technically the home team. Um, and you just want to see some people, you know, get the accolades that they definitely deserve and all the great, I mean, they did a great job of putting a good team together over this, over the past. I don't even know how many years they came from the bottom, started from the bottom. That's, that's them like <laughs> for real. So to see that happen, is like, that's tremendous. Just like it was good to see the Lakers make their run and, and, and come back after not being in the playoff for, for some time. You know, you you like to see those those things happen, and and this this year might be that time for them. I mean, it's gonna be a great championship. It's gonna be a great finals, though. I'm telling you that it's gonna be a good one. And Kyrie's been a game changer too, away from the game of basketball, which I think you know sometimes he gets some flack for, but definitely deserves more. I think more credit for. Oh yeah, for sure. You know, it, it, I think that that has been part of a lot of the you know. A lot of the, I don't even know what to call it, you know, just the naysayers, the flack, all of that was just because he was just being who who he was. And and sometimes when you have your eyes open to the world in a different way, they may not be the popular, you know, opinion, the popular view at the time. Sometimes it's hard for people to even understand what you're seeing, what you're seeing, what you're feeling and and the decisions that you do make. And, and all the while, you're still growing up. You're still maturing at the same time. You know, so it's I know it's been tough for, for him to kind of handle that and, and take that on. But he's done a tremendous job using his voice, no matter what, just staying within himself and being who he is. And it's now it's just like, oh, OK, now we accept you who you are. You know, he, he didn't waver at all you know he 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 walked the line like he wanted to walk that line and here he is being a champion off the floor as far as you know we're not talking about championship trophies or anything like that we're talking about using his voice and and using it for the people you know whether it's men or women yeah as is for me as i said at the top of the show to call you a game changer away from basketball i mean i i think a lot of our fans would agree with me here. I mean, basically in 2007, Don Imus puts you in position to have to be kind of spoken beyond your years at that time as a young college athlete. And, you know, these days now to think we're in 2021, are you surprised that you still have to basically be in this fight against racism in 2021? And this is something you've been dealing with your entire life, your entire career. Um, I'm, no, I'm not surprised, right? There's a couple of reasons why I'm not surprised. One, one of the main reasons I'm not surprised is because I, my my entire life, I've lived my life as a black woman. I come from Patterson, New Jersey. That's the inner city. So then, you know, you 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 couple those together. So you know, um, 
there's, you know, whether there's a lack of opportunity or whether there's a, a different way that they treat us um, coming from Patterson or those that live in Patterson versus our surrounding towns or surrounding cities, surrounding suburbs. I got to see that at a younger, at a young age because of my, because of basketball, right? At first I only played basketball in Patterson. I didn't really, you know, know what basketball or what other programs or what other schools looked like. But then I got to experience and traveling to these different cities, playing against these other teams and seeing their resources. That's just one little thing, right? Resources. Then you talk about what they do in school and that's a whole nother thing. And, and you start realizing that, oh, they're getting treatment differently. They're getting treated differently. Hmm. Okay. And then, you know, growing up with my grandparents, of course, you hear stories about what happened, as they call it back in the day. But how could I be surprised? They were probably surprised in 2007. You're talking about when they're, they were around for the civil rights movement, for the first civil rights movement. And, and now I can't even say what was the first, but the civil rights movement in, in, in the 60s, you know. Um, so the fast forward to 2007 is just like, okay, we're still going through this. They're probably like, oh, wow. They well, they weren't probably like weren't like oh wow. They to me, I'm just like, oh, this is what they were talking about then, but just you know, in a different light, right? It's more of an undercurrent to it, it's an undertone to it, you know. Um, and then you fast forward even more, even further along, 2020, 2021, we're dealing with the same issues, right? You know, it's the same person underneath that mask, right? You know, one day it's a wolf. Another day is, is something else, you know, it, it just changes faces. But the inside character, the soul of that is still the same. So we're not addressing the actual cause. We're kind of putting band-aids on things. But what I can say is that we're beginning to peel back all the layers now. Now it's like, okay, America, accept your history. This is how this country was built, right? Now let's take it back even further. So now we're pulling back all the layers and now we have to look at ourselves in the mirror and people don't like what they see. So the people that have contributed to that, if they don't like what they see or who they see in the mirror, how do you think that we as black and brown and, you know, the Asian community, how do you think we all feel as being on the receiving end of all of this? You know, so it's no surprise. They're probably surprised that we still fighting and we still kicking, you know, but it's, it's not going to end. Because now we're instilling that, instilling that into the youth. We're telling the youth to speak up, use your voice, you know. Um, so I don't think it's gonna go anywhere as far as our fight. Now we just gotta just continue to fight and and continue to unify. A lot of times they were just able to separate us as different groups, right? Blacks, Hispanics, Asians. All of a sudden, they can't do it. We're anymore. all different. You can't do it anymore. Now we're now we're starting to see that. Oh no. We're all getting treated the same. So what's this problem? What is the common what is the common denominator here? You know? So let's address that. You know, um, so yeah, I'm not surprised, but I am happy with our unification at this time and our fight. And it just has to keep going. How proud are you uh, um with Renee Montgomery getting uh, a percentage of ownership with the Atlanta Dream? And I think you guys played together. Right. Uh, yeah. Well, we, Brene and I, we play against each other. We play with each other. USA basketball, yeah. for sure. Um, that that's great because you know I, I actually spoke about that in an interview where it's just like as an athlete, right? You grow up, you just dream about being um, an athlete, right? Of course, there are other things, but as far as in sports world, you're you're like, oh, athlete. Once I become the professional athlete, that's it. That's the top. That's the top of the mountain. She just took it a step further. Right. She showed even she showed the next generation that you don't have to stop at just being the professional athlete. Right. Um, you can become an owner. You can become an owner of a team that you played for, uh, part of an organization, a, a league that you played in um, as a woman. Right. Uh, that is that is that is an amazing feat. And I couldn't be any happier for her than I am right now. And I know she has the support of so many women, not only in the league and the WNBA, but across many leagues across and throughout this entire world. That's just something that you just don't see every day. And hopefully one day it becomes something of the norm, you know, so new aspirations for the next generation.
As I said, and I talk politics all the time. We're not just, you know, jocks, uh, you know, talking sports. <laughs> and, uh, you know, one of the things, one of the things that we talk about uh, oftentimes, I guess more off the air, is just uh, a common idea that this country all, always seems to preach that it's progressive, but it's it's very far from it. I mean, maybe more recently we've taken some minor steps to be a bit more progressive, but when you're just talking about having a woman in the White House that's not the first lady and it's 2021 or that you've only had maybe one one woman that even ran for president. I mean, that that's not very progressive when you have other countries that have had female leadership. And uh, I think, you know, as as a powerful woman in the game of basketball, that is changing the sport on and off the court. You have to be, um, to me, excited about the prospects of the future when you finally finally see that there is maybe us, us turning a corner in 2021. Oh, I mean, yeah. You know, um, I was deciding whether I wanted to look at that as the glass half empty or half full, right? Because you come from both sides because you did mention both sides. Like, hey, we've always been saying how progressive we were or we are, um, but it's not until 2021 that we actually uh took this this big step um i guess for lack of better words for a long time we've talked to talk now we're we're looking at each other and we're holding each other accountable for walking the walk right um it's easy to say so many things right i think that's a lot of times that's what with the general public they have these they have these gripes with with politicians about because it's like they always tell us what we want to hear, but they never follow through. <laughs> yeah. Right. And there's a lot of layers to that, but they have the right to feel that way. Right. Now it's time to start walking the walk. Um, and a, a part of that has um, has been us just becoming more involved in 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 politics, I guess. Right using the leverage that we do have um, and identifying where they try to suppress that leverage or oppress that leverage. Um, it, the future is bright, I believe, as long as we continue on the path that, that we, the people that are on the front lines fighting, um, you know, as long as we continue that and, and, and continue to have people join us um, become allies, which is crazy that you got to say people have to become allies to to do what's right. But unfortunately, that is the ugly truth of where we are. Um, as long as we continue to do those things and hold our moral standards high, I think we'll be okay. But right now we're like almost like we're in an awakening period where it, it seems like it's just so painful, it's frustrating. You, you, you're fighting with, with someone that lives in your house because you have different views at this point. And you got kids disowning parents because of the parents' views and, and vice versa. It's just that looking in the mirror moment. When are you finally gonna say enough is enough? And when you're gonna finally say what is right is right and what is wrong is wrong. And don't be afraid of the quote unquote consequences because at the end of the day, what do we for really, really have, right? We walk outside, they want to kill you because of what you look like. You stay inside your house, they want to kill you for what you, for, for what you look like. So what do you have now? You don't even have safety on your own property, in your own home. The kids aren't even safe in school, not even safe in church. Please tell me what do we have at this point other than our own fight and our will to fight. Um, my last question is: So, what does the future hold for Essence Carson? Uh, is it politics? Is it being executive <laughs> in the music industry? Is it, is it uh, owning a team, a general uh, or a president of a team? What's what's it what's that, what's it look like? That's a good question. You know, that politics, that politics question has come up a lot over the past decade. And I'm like, nah, you see, I want to, I want to affect, I want to affect, you know, the people in a different way. Um, and it doesn't mean that I can't have an effect on 
politics or in politics. It doesn't mean that at all. Um, but I don't know. I don't know if that if that's a game that I want to play. All right. Um, now, continue to rise up the ladder on the music side of things, of course, become an executive. Um, and who knows where that will propel me on that side. Now, on the sports side, owning a team, of course. But, you know, I always like to dream big, sometimes so big that people can't even really fathom what, that, what I'm even talking about. Um, but I don't think it would stop at owning a team. I don't think it would stop there. Um, possibly creating something that's going to, we already think that music and sport is, is, you know, they already intertwined and they already overlap and they already do business with each other, but somehow coming up with a, with a whole nother way to, to bridge that, that there is a gap that's there to bridge, to bridge a gap that's there. Um, that just, just combining both of my passions together um, and using that to continue to be a positive light for everybody that's around me, whether you're around me directly, remotely, virtually at this point. Um, yeah, just showing that, showing people that anything is possible. Like even things I haven't even mentioned, you know, anything is possible. I have one final question because we can't let Ed have the final question. <laughs> oh <thing>. man. <laughs> I went back and I dug up the press release from last season when, of course, the WNBA had basically dedicated the season to social justice. And in that press release, Essence, they wrote uh, that the goal was to drive impactful, measurable, and meaningful change, okay, which is a, a beautifully written line. But I think the question that I, I have for you is, A, have they done that so far? And B, if they have not accomplished that so far, what do they have to do in order to accomplish that in the future. You're right. Um, yeah, that was beautifully said. Uh, I guess I can start by saying that we understand that, that the change isn't done, right? But what we did do is we didn't start the conversation, but we amplified the conversation, right? Um, so I think that we we did that. Now, are we going to continue to push for more change? Of course. This isn't going to happen over overnight. It took hundreds of years to to build what we see now. So, I understand that it's not going to happen in one season, a couple of months. It's not going to happen in one year. The dismantling of like all of the injustices, the systematic racism, all of that. It's gonna take a long time. But what we can say that we did is that we amplified that conversation that was being had amongst people that look like us in, in those small rooms, right? So now it was heard all over the country. And then it's like, oh no, it's heard all over the world now. Everybody, everybody heard about it at this point. So it's like, okay, this conversation is going. So we're gonna keep encouraging people to continue these conversations, keep encouraging people to make changes in their own cities, uh, with their local government, uh, at, 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 in their school district. We're gonna continue to do those things. And when we come to the next crossroad, we'll troubleshoot, right? That's, that's, that's what we seem to do. Um, and I'm thankful for that ability um, to be a part of a group that is, you know, dedicated to to doing those things, to amplifying these voices and being, and being organizers, you know, um, and getting the right people together um, and, and utilizing the platform. I just wanted to continue to utilize our platform because that in turn will encourage a lot of other people from all different age demographics and all that to use their platform. Um, so as long as we keep doing that, I think I think we're on the right path, um, and that is going to ignite those other people that that are going to to continue to change the future ahead of us. Well, we're definitely thankful for you tonight uh, being here and, and sharing a lot of uh, you know great thoughts about about your career and and the future of the game. No, thank you for having me. I appreciate that. Now, essence, I appreciate it. I I am going to L.A. next month. 
So drinks on me. And while we're having drinks, I will Venmo Bobby C to Venmo us more money so we can buy more drinks. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love it. No, you, you definitely got to hit me up. Hit me up when you come up here, man. Don't forget to hit my line. I'm going to be here, sunny California. Um, you know, whenever, whenever I'm not in the gym, you know, or in front of my computer answering emails and then troubleshooting, you know, I'm always available. I gotta get, I gotta get in the studio. I gotta, I gotta see what you, you know, what you're doing out there. Oh yeah, of course. You know, I gotta bring that East coast swag out here, man. Cause we're on the air essence. I mean, if you can, you can actually be like, I don't want you texting me whether you're here in New York or on the West coast. <laughs> Look, Bobby, I love you too. Don't 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 get it twisted. Look, look, it's enough love to go around for everybody. I think that's the problem. People think that it's not enough love to go around, but it really is. I got love I'm, I'm glad you saw through the wall. I'm glad somebody saw it. It's, it's all good. It's all good. I got I got love for you too. Look, when you come out here, Bobby, the door is open. That's what I like to hear. I'm definitely gonna take you up on that essence. <laughs> appreciate, <laughs> appreciate you guys. Bless. And stay warm out there, cause you know we don't have these those problems out here. <laughs> Later. Later oh, back to back weeks, man. Two big time shows. First, we we you know we wound up Charles Oakley last weekend, and then basically you know those comments, like you said at the top of the show, they went viral. And uh, just, uh, I think, some great commentary tonight from Essence uh, about no, Essence, Essence is a gem. She's a gem. She's a champion. Um, a heart of gold. Um, you know, I'm proud of her. She's had a great career. And, you know, we didn't even talk about, the, you know, how much of a, a philanthropist she is. Um, but, she, you know, she she does that. She does everything. You know, she does music. She, she plays the piano. She plays basketball. She's giving back. She's, you know, she's a true champion. And, and definitely some tough, you know, subject matter, I would say, you know, I mean, obviously a lot of the conversations, I think, thankfully, the last year, even during tough times have been about about trying to make, you know, finally make progress. You know, and I think it's the responsibility of everyone, uh, regardless of of, uh, of color or even uh, sex, to be part of of that progress. You know, and, and, and that's why I even make those comments about Shaq. You know, I think anything that is negative sets back the narrative when it comes to progress. Well, I don't I don't know if I mean his comment though, I don't know if it was negative. You know, maybe in his mind it's like, hey, I'm trying to help amplify the league. It'll be more exciting. Shaq's not that type of guy. So everyone knows that. So my thing is like, you know, you know, Essence knows that too. Like, you know, he said it and he probably meant it in a way where, you know what, it can help the league. But you know, we know the league, you know, the rims are always gonna be 10 feet. Women are becoming more athletic than ever before. The game is in a good place. The marketing is getting so much better. People go to catch a WNBA game. Yeah, I just think, of course, again, even you know, even in, in joke, uh, it could be misconstrued and and sometimes, you know, those are the types of things that could that could lead to again negative conversations. And I think we've just reached a point. I'd like to think we've reached a point where uh, all of this stuff should be more in the positive light at, you know, uh, you know, political conversations, sports conversations, you know, those are the things like, you know, again, even we kind of touched on it briefly, but, you know, even someone like LeBron James, I think this week, you know, being part ownership down the Boston Red Sox and talking about, you know, like Essence had said, you know, trying to own an NBA team and, and basically make, make headway not only as an athlete, but as a businessman and change and evolve the game and change the game outside of the lines. I think that's what a lot of young athletes uh, should aspire to be. And we really haven't seen a lot of that when you think about it, we've seen it more now, but uh, I was, you know, even mentioning to one of my colleagues, and I don't know if you would agree with me as we close out the show tonight, you know, you have someone as pivotal in sports history as let's say Jackie Robinson, you know, and then later on, I think it's Muhammad Ali. You know, I I, I think in, in these conversations, when I think about social justice, and then there's really a big gap after Ali. You know, there's been athletes that might have done things in moments, maybe athletes that have been praised in certain moments. But I mean, so many times you and I have spoken about this, even someone like Michael Jordan, who was expected to do more that didn't do more. 
And it's really only a player like LeBron James more recently who has stepped up and kind of shouldered, you know, this this big revolution, I think, in the sport. Um, and uh, I think it's it's something to, you know, really be respectful of and noble about. And, and uh, the same, you know, the same conversation for Essence, what she's been able to do for the women's game, not just, uh, you know, not just scoring baskets and playing defense, but what she's been able to do away from the game is, uh, yeah. is interesting. I was going to say, well, um, the cool thing, you know, what people don't realize, some people are like, you know, when LeBron put out that tweet, um, maybe he should buy a WNBA team. He's technically not allowed to because of the collective bargaining agreement. You know, no current player could own a WNBA team or an NBA team, which is why he's not owner of, you know, he couldn't right be over with the Atlanta dream. When his career is over, you know, maybe that's something he'll do. But like you said, like he's very outspoken. Um, you know, you know me, I'm a big LeBron fan. So the guy, you know, I understand, you know, people don't like him. I don't know why. The guy never had any problems. He does what he's supposed to do. He's a champion. He might win it again this year. And he might he's gonna go down as top two players of all time. So kudos to him. I would love to see him do that. I would love to see him own either an NBA team or a WNBA team, no doubt about that. And I would love to see Essence, you know, maybe uh, own one as well at some point. Yeah, because I'm going to ask him. I, I need to be the GM. We, we could have spoken to her, I would say, you know, for another hour. I mean, there were so many questions would have loved to have asked her, even, uh, you know, Candace playing with the uh, Chicago Sky. Um, you know, there's so many things we could have spoken to her about. Maybe we can have her on the show again. Maybe you can pester her like you do all I don't pester anybody, man. And eventually we'll have her on again. But you know uh, what? I'm gonna. This is next week's challenge. Next week you're getting the guest. I'm, I'm not getting the guest. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's a good place for us to probably close the show. <laughs> yeah. Thanks to Essence Carson. We'll see you next Thursday. <laughs> Later. <laughs>